I went to the top hotels and so she got fed and she got payment for this. But I think that it, it looked very black when she got murdered and people kind of put two and two together and got five. Dr Brenda Page, a scientist at the University of Aberdeen, was brutally murdered at home on the 14th of July, 1978. In the previous episode, I told you that Brenda had suffered years of mental and physical abuse at the hands of her ex-husband. And although he was questioned by police at the time of her murder, he was released without charge. On the night before her murder, Brenda had dinner with two businessmen in the Treetops Hotel, an upmarket hotel in Aberdeen. It shocked the city when police revealed that Brenda had been working as an escort. And these men were her clients. It wasn't a hanky-panky kind of a thing at all. It was very professional. The businessmen Brenda dined with were quickly ruled out as suspects by police. But that didn't stop people in Aberdeen wondering whether her escort work had anything to do with her murder. There was the rumour that maybe it had been one of her... I wouldn't say, no, it's not clients. At that time, the escorts business, it was all businessmen, maybe oil men, who were over here on their own looking for company. This is Murder in the Granite City, and I'm journalist Ruth Warrender. Since 2018... I've been talking to Brenda's family, friends and work colleagues to find out more about her life, to try and find out why this brilliant academic was murdered. Her friend and colleague, Dr Jessie Watt, told me her savings had gone into the marital home where her husband still lived and she was struggling financially, finding it difficult to pay the mortgage on the flat she'd just moved into. In this episode, I'll look at Brenda's escort work in more detail. You'll find out more about this side of her life from someone I didn't expect to hear from. The man who ran the escort agency that employed Brenda. It was only to escort gentlemen who didn't know where they were and wanted to go out and have a meal with a friendly person who could show them around the city. Barney Crockett, former Lord Provost of Aberdeen, told me it was a very macho city in the 70s. Women were even barred from some of the pubs. So how did people there react when they found out that a university academic had been working as an escort? Escorting of the kind that uh, that was happening there was a, a brand new thing. Um, and uh, I think it took Aberdonians a wee while to, to register what was uh, you know, was happening. And then, of course, it's a kind of small city in lots of ways. It therefore became quite, you know, a talked-about thing. What was escorting back then, as far as you were concerned, you know, your knowledge of it? Well, probably we had a very sketchy idea and maybe people had some lurid thoughts about it. And that was reflected in some newspapers at the time. When police revealed that Brenda had been working as an escort on the night before her murder, headlines referred to her as a call girl, and said she'd been leading a double life. Here's journalist Graham Smith. I think that's one of the things about the, the, her murder. It was a huge loss to, to, to academia and to science because um, 
she never was a call girl, uh, to the best of my knowledge. She was a, a lonely woman, um, estranged from her husband, uh, who took the opportunity to go out and have some companionship with presumably intelligent people who could chat to her for an evening without uh, having to become involved in a relationship and get paid for it. Uh, so it, it's quite, uh, must be very, very upsetting for our family uh, to read how, how it's been distorted over the years. I've heard that some of Brenda's colleagues refused to talk to the press because of the way she was betrayed. But her friends and family wanted to set the record straight. I asked her school friend Diane if she was aware of Brenda's so-called double life. I wouldn't really call it double life, but yes, I did know because when I was there in Aberdeen, she did go out one night and um, she said that she always made sure that she met them in Aberdeen so they had no idea where she lived. Um, So, yeah, and I mean, it was the fact that she needed extra cash Mm -hmm. and it was certainly above board. Uh, You know, there was nothing sinister in it. It was just a social thing for a meal. How did she, you know, behave before she went out? How, you know, was she describing it as, oh, I've got to go and work, you know, really sorry to leave you? Or... Did she seem happy enough going? No, she sort of apologised and said that she'd got to go. And she said, I won't be late. And I don't think she was that late, you know. So it was just a dinner. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't anything more. It was almost as if it was a sort of business that she was just doing it for the sake of the money. Why did she need the extra money? I honestly don't know. Unless she was still given kit money. But I don't know. Just a thought. Was Diane implying that Brenda had been supporting her husband, even though she was no longer in the marital home? I can't be certain about that. Whatever the reason Brenda needed the extra cash, she didn't use her own name for her escort work. I mentioned this to Rita, her older sister. She used um, a different name, didn't she? No idea. Brenda Adam. Oh, well, that's understandable. It's a family name, isn't it? Adam, his mother's name. Her maiden name? Mm. No, I was just saying that because Diane, when we went round, she said she was awfully careful at, you know, never letting anyone that she socialised with know where she lived or, you know, she would always turn up to the event by herself just to ensure that she was safe. and But he didn't find out where she was. That was the thing. But he did. Rita's talking about Brenda's ex-husband, Dr Christopher Harrison, who she knew as Kit. Rita's son Chris was cutting the grass for his mum when I was there. When he finished, he came in and joined us. No, she told us. Yeah. Mm. Laughed about it. Been to some lovely dinners. In fact, I painted a picture for one of the oil men that came over. And I think he came down here, didn't he, once? So I don't... Don't remember it. I think she brought him down to show him Suffolk. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't remember that. No, and in the end, I think he invited her over there to to stay with his family. I mean, that was... She said that it was... You know, he was a nice guy and just fed up with going out for a meal at night on his own. Her oil man, she called him. Where was he from? Somewhere in America. So she did it for a bit of extra cash? Yes, she was hard up. Why was she hard up? I don't get that, because she was 
Surely she would have been on a really decent wage. Not a great deal then. Really? No. I was surprised to hear that. But Alec Kemp, Professor of Petroleum Economics at the University of Aberdeen, told me the same thing. We weren't well paid in the 70s, no. Remember there was a huge inflation. Huge inflation in the 70s, triggered by the oil price quadrupling, 73, 74. Uh, And um, we never got compensation for the huge inflation in the 1970s. So Brenda might not have been earning as much as you would imagine. She was absolutely broke by the time she'd left him. Then she had to put a deposit on her little flat. She had a big mortgage. It was a big house there, though, wasn't it, in Aberdeen? That must have been quite expensive. Did she just think, you know, I'm an intelligent person, I've just got divorced, I can go out, make a bit of extra cash, get dressed up and have wonderful conversations, network with really intelligent people and get wind and dined? Is that basically the gist of... How did and she describe it? She, that is how she described it. And her friend uh, up there with her um, joined with her. But she didn't carry on. She didn't follow through with it. She was another scientist working in the lab. I forget her name. I believe the other scientist Rita's referring to is Dr Jessie Watt, who is Brenda's PhD student. According to Jessie... She had a part to play in Brenda's decision to become an escort. In many ways, it was my idea because we were sitting at coffee one day and she's going on about having no money. And I mean, I had no money either. Here's me, seven months pregnant and no job looming. So um, we were looking at the uh, Press and Journal and here was an ad for this professional escorts. And it seemed to be a very professional company. They wanted people to go with professionals. You know, say, for example, somebody who was a bank manager coming up here and needing an escort for dinner. And it was it said you met them in a public place, you could use an, another name if you liked. And I thought, this is great, you know. If I wasn't seven months pregnant, I would do this. Uh, you phoned them when you met the person and you left them after dinner and phoned the company back again. It wasn't a hanky-panky kind of a thing at all. It was very professional. I mean, I remember her going out with a professional swimmer and uh, just for dinner and they went to the top hotels and so she got fed and she got payment for this. But I think that it, it looked very black when... She got murdered and people kind of put two and two together and got five. Mm -hmm. But that's the only reason she did it. She wasn't a loose woman in any way at all. And I I would have done it as well at the time with Alan's blessings because we had no money. I mean, at the time we were saving for the electricity and saving for the gas bill and all of that. So... That's why she did it. She could hardly pay her mortgage. So you're saying that Alan would have obviously given, you know, the best thing. What was Kit's reaction to her doing that? Well, Kit did not like it one bit. He obviously thought she was playing around. He followed her more than ever. He was very, very angry about it. How did he even find out about it? Through following her. 
but I don't know if he knew it was a professional escort agency. He may just have thought that she was having dates with people, because that's exactly what it would have looked like. But it seems that Kit did know about Brenda's escort work. A newspaper reported that Kit's solicitor said his client had told him about his ex-wife's other job. He said she had worked for an escort agency and asked if the police were aware of this, as, through this work, she could have been in contact with many different people. I asked journalist Graham Smith what he had found out about Brenda's escort work during his investigation. In those days, um, escort agencies were very different to what they are today. I think there were only two in Scotland. Uh, From memory, they were based in Edinburgh and Glasgow, but operated in Aberdeen. And by phoning them um, and asking about Brenda Page, uh, I discovered that one of them, she'd worked for one of the agencies, um, and the guy declined to say anything. Well, I managed to track down the owner of the agency Brenda worked for, Capital Escorts. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about Wix. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. I recorded the interview you're about to hear four years ago, when Mr. Austin was 92 years old. My name is William, and my father's name was Austin. So you're William Austin? Altogether, yes. And I believe that you were running the agency that Brenda actually joined when she was up in Aberdeen to escort. That's correct. So you had moved up here and set up the business here. Yes, uh, I came up here and uh, did several things which weren't very successful. Uh, But I had become a guide to people around Edinburgh and I thought there was a need for people to have some guidance. And one of my businesses employed some girls to model clothes. And when that collapsed, I decided I could find something for them to do. So that's how we started Edinburgh Escorts. And so do you remember the year in which you started the business? Do I remember the year? Well, I can't remember now exactly what year it was, but it would have been in the 1970s. Mr Austin told me that although he started the escort agency in Edinburgh, he branched out to Glasgow and then further north to Aberdeen. I asked him why he set up a business in the Granite City. Well, only because there had been a business in Aberdeen which collapsed. Uh, I didn't know a lot about it, but... um, 
I thought there was a, that was the time of the oil boom, and I thought this was the time to, to have an escort agency without reaching Aberdeen. So it seems that he took advantage of the influx of oil workers. But he said his business didn't get off to a good start. Yes, I did have one girl in Aberdeen and she wasn't very good because uh, I sent her lots of customers and she never sent the payment. So um, when Brenda approached me, I was quite glad because I think I only sent her out once, but she returned the payment to me uh, immediately in the post. So I thought this is going to be a good agent for me. I asked Mr Austin how much he paid the woman who worked for him. I used to charge the customers £20, £10 for the escort and £10 for me. Taking inflation into account, £20 back in 1978 would be worth around £115 in 2023. So let's say Brenda would have been left with around £58 after Mr Austin had taken his cut. I asked him what the work involved. Well, the work entailed... uh, Uh, going out with a customer, having a meal, and it entailed uh, keeping him company until midnight. It would always be at night in the evening, and it would never be kind of day dates or anything like that. Didn't quite understand the question, but it was only to escort gentlemen who didn't know where they were and wanted to go out and have a meal with a, a friendly person who could show them around the city. So it was always men on business? I suppose you might say it was always men on business because uh, local men wouldn't need the service. I asked Mr Austin if he interviewed the women who worked for him in advance. Yes, I used to interview everyone and uh, tell them what to do and what not to do and it all went quite successfully. What advice would you give them? Well, you don't really need to ask me that. You can ask the Glasgow Courier, I think it was, who sent two girls over here to be interviewed as escorts. And I interviewed them for about an hour. And when they went back home, they took all sorts of notes and recorded it and wrote it all up so that everyone knew exactly what escorts had to do. So I don't need to say more than that. You know, obviously that was a long time ago and I don't know if I can dig out that newspaper. But, but if you remember, what, what did you tell them? Well, as it took about an hour of interview, I can't really tell you what I told them. But uh, they were told to, that their duties only concerned taking the people out and showing them around the city. And by midnight, they were supposed to go home. As far as your business is concerned, it was just, uh, you know, a friendly meal... Uh, friendly conversation and chat and by 12 o'clock you know obviously you can't control people but you were advising them to go home not to do anything sexual and that that was what your business was about that's exactly what the business was about so when did you first come to contact with Brenda I think Brenda must have contacted me um So I employed her for one night, having told her everything over the telephone. And then the the next time I thought, well, I'd better go up and see her. So I went up and uh, took her out to dinner and we had a long conversation. What kind of conversation did you have that night? Brenda, I thought, was a very high-class girl and I was very pleased to find somebody of her upbringing and uh, knowledge in Aberdeen, and I thought this is going to be very good. And uh, she was very nice, she spoke very good English, I seem to remember, and she looked okay. Um, 
and she didn't appear to have any particular problems at the time. But during the dinner, she said to me that she was frightened of her husband. Now, I thought that was a very odd thing for someone I didn't know very well to tell me. And no other girl that I ever interviewed ever said anything personal like that to me. So I, I was a bit worried about it. It does seem unusual that Brenda disclosed such personal information to someone she was meeting for the first time. We already know that she told her friends that she was frightened of her ex-husband. But telling a complete stranger is different. I asked Mr Austin if Brenda told him why she wanted to become an escort. Well, I imagine that having been divorced or being away from her husband, she was lonely. It enabled her to go out and have a free dinner and make some money at the same time and be back by midnight. What more could a girl want? So she'd only been out one time previously to you meeting her for dinner and then, so the second date was on the night of her murder, is that right? That's what I seem to remember, yes. Now, this is where it gets confusing. Mr Austin told me Brenda had been on one date through his agency before he met her in Aberdeen. But Brenda's sister Rita told me she'd been on dates with an American oil man. And Jessie said she'd been on other dates, including one with a professional swimmer. But Mr Austin was adamant that Brenda had only been on one previous date. However, I found a newspaper report that claims Brenda had been on the books of capital escorts for longer. It includes a quote from Mr Austin's wife. They've since divorced. She said... Brenda was with us for two years, and she was very sensible. She was a very pleasant girl, very steady. She was not the sort of girl who would be foiled in any way. So perhaps Brenda had been working as an escort for longer than Jessie was aware. I asked Mr Austin what he could remember about the men Brenda dined with in the Treetops Hotel just hours before she was murdered. Well, the police investigated them and found them to be uh, completely OK. They were, it was rather a peculiar arrangement because these men rang me up and said they were coming to the city and could they have an escort? And I said, uh, well, it's a bit unusual because uh, normally they come to see me and I take the money and send them off. But it, uh, uh, on this occasion, they rang me up from their motor car. Now, in the 1970s, that was a bit of a novelty. And I thought anyone who has a, a, a wireless telephone system in their motor car must be quite well off and well to do. So I, I gave them some credit for that. So I uh, arranged for them to meet Brenda at the hotel. And they went and, and met her there. And was that, you know, like kind of a, a random occurrence? Two men with like one escort, you know, usually you'd. Well, I thought that was a bit strange, but uh, they seemed to be nice and they seemed to be okay and they appeared to be rich. So I thought, well, I'm sure they'll manage all right. Because throughout our investigation, we did actually hear that perhaps another lady was supposed to be meeting up with the group as well, but didn't turn up. Do you recall any of that? I, I didn't have any other lady of any substance in the. And Aberdeen, who would do that? What do you remember about the men? So they were from England, is that right? 
far as I know, they were in a motor car on the way, and I don't know exactly where they had come from. But they phoned me up. They must have seen my advert or noticed me somewhere. And what kind of protection was in place for girls like Brenda? Well, the the girls were told, as you said, not to give their private address, um, not to give their telephone number, because I was the one in charge of the telephone system. And if somebody wanted to take out an escort, they had to come through me. So that was uh, a de rigueur, but of course... I never knew if they ever gave their name to anybody and went out privately. What can you do? Did they ever have to give you a call at the end of the night just to check in with you? No, but I did expect next day to receive an envelope with the money in it. So the next day, you were probably expecting Brenda because she was obviously quite well-to-do and uh, trustworthy. Yeah. Uh, you were expecting an envelope to arrive in the post or some sort of correspondence. What happened? I got a phone call from the police to say that Brenda had been murdered. And I have a suspicion they suspected me because I'd been out there to see her, you know. But um, So their, their uh, questioning was what you might call rather to the point and slightly unfriendly. But um, nevertheless, I I was able to speak through that. Mr Austin told me he had travelled from Edinburgh to Aberdeen to see Brenda. He said around a week before her murder. Some newspaper reports say a fortnight. What we do know for certain is that police were interested in the movements of a dark green mini estate car around the time of Brenda's murder, and someone who had gone from Aberdeen to Edinburgh by train. I wondered if the police had asked Mr Austin about how he travelled to Aberdeen. All I remember, the police asked me if I went to Aberdeen and how I would get to Aberdeen, and uh, so I told them that uh, I used my car. What car did you have? There was some clapped-out second-hand car, I can't remember what it was. I wasn't a train passenger in those days. I asked Mr Austin how he reacted when he heard Brenda had been murdered. I was very shocked and obviously I closed the escort agency after that. It would appear to be putting the girls at some risk, although I couldn't make out that the risk was due to anything that she had done as an escort. But, according to a local paper, he was back in business just two weeks later and, quote ready to cope with a burst of demand. Did you ever hear from the clients again that went up to Aberdeen? No, I imagine they were frightened of escort agencies after that. So there were some inconsistencies there. But perhaps this is due to the passage of time. Mr Austin who I since discovered was convicted of a sex assault on a client when he had an aromatherapy business, told me Brenda had only worked for his agency twice. But a newspaper claimed his former wife said Brenda had been on their books for two years. That would tie in with what Rita said she heard from Brenda. But what I don't understand is, before I left, Mr Austin told me police spoke to him again in 2015 when they reopened their investigation. He claimed 
they didn't have a record of him saying that Brenda told him she was frightened of her ex-husband. It's clear that Brenda didn't keep her other job a secret. Her family and friends knew all about it. She discussed it openly. You heard that academics weren't well paid in the 70s. But the fact that Diane said Brenda may still have been giving money to Kit has got me thinking. Was she still contributing to the mortgage on the marital home, as well as paying her own mortgage? Was that the real reason she needed the extra cash? I can't be sure. As Diane said, it's just a thought. As I was driving out of Edinburgh, it reminded me of a news story I'd covered there in March 2019. The death of serial killer Angus Sinclair. He murdered teenagers Kristen Eady and Helen Scott, who were last seen leaving the World's End pub in Edinburgh in 1977, a year before Brenda was murdered. But he wasn't found guilty of the murders until 2014. 36 years later. He had already been convicted of killing four other women and police suspected he had killed at least four more. So, when I got back to the office, I looked up a photo of Sinclair from the early 80s. And he looked similar to the photo fit issued by police of the man seen leaving Brenda's flat. The only difference was Sinclair didn't have a moustache but he had the same dark eyes and dark hair. I searched online for reports of other unsolved murders of women in Scotland from around the same time and found that no one had been convicted of the murder of two women in the city of Dundee, around 65 miles south of Aberdeen. Teenage mum, Carol Lannan, was murdered in 1979, and 20-year-old nursery nurse Elizabeth McCabe was murdered a year later in 1980. Their bodies were found in Templeton Woods in the city. But one newspaper report says some of Carol Lannan's clothing was found in Aberdeenshire. The photo fit issued of the man wanted for questioning in connection with the murders also bears more than a passing resemblance to the photo fit of the man seen leaving Brenda's block of flats. But how reliable were photo fits at the time? Having spoken to Brenda's family and friends, I was sure her escort work had nothing to do with her murder. By all accounts, she was a sensible, intelligent woman who wouldn't have taken any risks. Her sister Rita and work colleague Jessie told me how dedicated she was to her research in genetics at the University of Aberdeen. But could Brenda's research itself have put her life at risk? I do know that we have had some very strange casualties also in Norway with regard to Join me next time to find out. If you've been affected by anything you've heard in this episode, call the National Domestic Abuse Helpline 
on 0808 2000 247. You can also find information on where to go for help on the Women's Aid website at womensaid.org.uk. Murder in the Granite City is presented by me, Ruth Warrender, and produced by Jill Davis. Sound design is by Sean Kerwin, and the music is composed and performed by David Hearn. It's a news broadcasting production for the Scottish Sun. Mm-hmm.